We're trying to uh, move as fast as we can to come back as a family, be together in unity. Uh, so you just have to bear with us. It's going to take a few more weeks because we're trying to be uh, compliant with the uh, authorities here on, on earth and also in heaven. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Blessed be His kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grants you absolution remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory be to God on high, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. We praise Thee, we bless Thee, we worship Thee, we glorify Thee. We give thanks to Thee for Thy great glory. O Lord God, Heavenly King, God the Father Almighty, O Lord, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, that takest away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. Thou that taketh away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. Thou that sitteth at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us. For thou only art holy, thou only art the Lord. Thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, art most high in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Expectation waiting here for you. 
Separate. 
the Colette together. Keep, O Lord, your household, the church, in your steadfast faith and love, that through your grace we may proclaim your truth with boldness and minister your justice with compassion. For the sake of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.
This morning's first lesson comes from Exodus chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. In the third month, after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai, for they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore... If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people, and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. (coughs) Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord, and the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you, Forever. The word of the Lord. Please stand for the reading of the psalm. This morning's psalm is Psalm 50. Please respond by the asterisk. The mighty one, God the Lord, has spoken and called the earth. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty. Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. He shall call to the heavens from above. Sorry. Gather my saints together to me. Let the heavens declare his righteousness. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, and I will testify against you. Call upon me in the day of trouble. But to the wicked, God says, Seeing you hate instruction, but I will rebuke you. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit.
This morning's second reading comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, beginning in chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. Glory be to Thee, O Lord. The Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. And when He had called His twelve disciples to Him, He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go, rather, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Sorry, I uh, put a cough drop in because I have these allergies, and I really don't want you guys to think I'm sick. So <laughs> trying to get that all cleared up. But um, no, I'm feeling great. Um, God is good. And I want to talk today about some stuff that I want to pull out of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, some wisdom for our current times. Because if you've been paying attention at all to what's going on in the world, you know that there's been... Obviously, the pandemic, there's been an economic shutdown. There's been tens of millions of unemployed people. 
and there's been some recent tragedies, um, abuses of power by certain police officers. There's been riots, looting uh, as a response to that. And it's been difficult in this time to stay within the place where Jesus wants us to be in our soul and in our heart. Because we've had so many things coming at us that are easily causing us emotions. I mean, if you've seen some of the videos that go around on social media, it's, it, 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 if you pay attention and you jump into that stuff, it can really tear you up. It's sad. It's tragic, some of the things that are going on right now. And some, some of the things might make you tempted, depending on what your views are. They might make you angry on one side, sad on the other. And I think we need to remember that our grounding is in the wisdom of Jesus Christ. And that wisdom is eternal. That truth is eternal. And he's given us the tools to navigate these waters. It's like being on a boat. That's why people say your moral compass. Because when you're on a boat, if you're in the middle of a storm and you can't see anything, and you're being tossed to and fro and you don't know where you're going, that's kind of a good image, I think, for what's going on on social media and in the communications that are coming. It's like a storm. It's cloudy. It's confusing. You'll get hit from one side, then you'll get hit from the other. And everybody knows the way. Everybody's going to tell you exactly the way to go. But our compass has to be grounded in Jesus. Because you can get pulled one way or another by these winds and these waves and not being able to see. So I'm hoping that we can dive into what is often considered Jesus' greatest moral teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. It's considered one of the best moral teachings in the history of the world by universally everyone. Even philosophy people who don't believe in God love to read this and talk about what Jesus is saying because there's something powerful here. But we know more than that. We know that these words are living and active, that the Holy Spirit can use these words to change our hearts and to bring revelation about where we need to go in these troubling times. How do we individually need to respond to what's going on around us? And maybe... I'll say this before I begin. Maybe you're the person who wants to put your head in the sand and ignore everything that's going on and just focus on what's in front of me. I don't think that that's fair to your walk with God because God allows you to go through the experiences of suffering. He allows you to engage in the world because he wants to use those things to shape you into somebody who can live the kingdom of God on earth. If all we do is get our own personal salvation figured out, then Jesus' cross is not active in our life for others. We're not really being the body of Christ as the believers because his program didn't stop with getting in the door to heaven. His program was to activate you to go out and love the world well, to bring peace, righteousness, joy in a world that needs it. Every single one of you are needed in this world. And God called you to him for a reason. If you're sitting in this room, it's for a reason and for a purpose. If you're watching online, it's for a reason because he wants to use you to bring about his purposes. Jesus may have left, but he didn't stop redeeming the world. He wants to use each of you, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to do that. And the last thing I'll say before I dive into here, and I'll try and keep this as brief as possible, even though there's a lot here, um, is we've been hearing this word recently 
uh, that mom shared a few weeks ago about from Second Chronicles, where if my people will turn to me, repent from their wickedness, and seek my face, then I will heal their land. And then Eric came up and gave a word of encouragement that every time he's sought the Lord, that God's just been so present in this time. It reminds me of the verse that says, draw near to me and I will run after you. In the midst of these turbulent times, God is present. And the verse I want to bring that just goes right through all these is from Isaiah 55, chapter, sorry, chapter 55, 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Put all those things together and hear what's going on. There is a call to action. Maybe you've lived months or years without personally going after what God has for you in your life. Don't put it off another day. God wants to transform you into the person that you don't even yet believe you can be. He's got visions for you. So let's talk about the Beatitudes. Let's see today if we can kind of recalibrate our compass and we can bring some of the wisdom of Jesus into our life. Now, of course, everybody knows about the Beatitudes that Jesus starts these blessed statements and he goes, blessed are these people and blessed are these people. I just want you to know when he's saying that, he's not saying like, you know, when you take a picture of your acai bowl in just the right light with the right filter and you post it on Instagram and you say, oh my gosh, this is so good. Hashtag blessed. It's not what Jesus is talking about. Really, it isn't. When you're talking about blessed, he's talking about in right relationship with God and the world. It's more similar to the word shalom, this peace, this fullness, this fulfillment, which means blessed isn't about being happy. If you read this as happy, then you're going to get really confused because then he says, happy are they who mourn. Well, Jesus, you're, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense because that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is blessed in fullness, in richness, in alignment with God. And do you know what? Being blessed is better than being happy. If you're looking to be happy, you're just aiming in the wrong direction. Happiness is an added bonus that God loves to shower out on you any chance he gets. But blessed is way more important, way more valuable. So let's seek to be blessed in the way we live our life, not just happy. So first he says in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now this one is the hardest for me. Because we have all this language in the Bible about how you want to take up the army of armor of God. And it's easy to kind of get in this mindset like you want to. I've heard this analogy used many times. It's like the spiritual disciplines and the things that we do reading our Bible, meeting with God. It's like going to the gym. You want to get strong spiritually. Right. But Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What is he saying here? Of course he wants you to be strong in your spirit. Of course he wants you to be built up in your spirit. But there's something here. It's like he wants you to be humble in your spirit. Because if you get to the point where you start thinking about how strong you are in your spirit, you're missing the point. Because it's really his strength, not yours. And this is the anti-pride verse. It's True humility is what he's looking for here. Because when you're poor in spirit and you know you're poor in spirit, it's, it's, uh, then you stay hungry. 
as soon as you think that you've got it figured out and you're kind of rolling, you're, you're, you're meeting with God every day, you're having a good, a good abundant time, you feel like everything's lining in your favor, it's so easy to not be desperate for him. It's so easy to be satisfied with the blessings of God and not seek the presence of God. If you remain poor in spirit, then you'll know you need him every day. It's like when we had an African bishop here, and it's always stuck with me. During the, He says, I'm, I feel so bad for you guys in America. I'm worried for you guys in America. Because when you pray the Lord's Prayer and you say, give us this day our daily bread, you don't really mean it. In Africa, we mean it. My people need bread every day to live. That's the hunger that God wants us to remain in. So when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, he means don't get so puffed up in your own abilities. Even if you're doing all the right things, you can miss me. You need to be desperate for me. It reminds me of when Jesus told, told uh, the people who were following him, he says, I didn't, they're getting mad at him because he's hanging out with the, the prostitutes and the tax collectors and those, ooh, those bad people. And they're like, Jesus, why are you doing that? All the other rabbis hang out with us, the Pharisees and the, the elites. And he goes, well, I didn't come for the healthy. I came to heal the sick. That's what this verse is about. Because you know what he's saying? He's not telling the Pharisees, you guys are healthy and you don't need me. It's a tongue-in-cheek. He's kind of grinding their gears a little bit. He's like, hey, I came for the people who know they need me. Do you think he was telling the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you guys are healthy, you don't need my presence? No, he was saying, you don't even realize you're sick. And that's what this verse is about. You need to know that you need Jesus. The one, what I'm going to do as I talk about these is, this is all part of the Sermon on the Mountain. So I want to bring in some of the verses that Jesus says later, because this is just his introduction. And the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, he's explaining what he means by these uh, blessed statements, these beatitudes. And so later on in chapter 6, he says, chapter 6, verse 1, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. That's connected to this verse. I don't think you could be blessed, in, as you, I don't think you could be poor in spirit and bragging about how good you are on social media. I just don't think you can. There's one term that's going around recently that's called virtue signaling. And basically what you do is you put up a hashtag up there to show people that you're in solidarity with this movement, but your heart and the thing behind, you don't back that up with actions. You don't live that out in your life. It's just a signal to tell people I'm virtuous. Now, I'm not saying you are doing this, and maybe you did share the hashtag, and I'm not saying that that's absolutely wrong, but I am saying check your heart. Is this about showing people how good you are and how you fit in? And that might be on either side of the spectrum. I've seen people who love to share, you know, uh, uh, the, from the, let's say, the right-leaning side, and people who love to share from the left-leaning side, and they want people to know I'm on this side of right. That's what they want people to know in their social media posts. So just ask yourself before you dive into those, are you doing it because you're trying to share the, the, the knowledge of the love of Jesus with your fellow man, or are you doing it because you want them to know how good you are? Remain poor in spirit. Remain hungry for Jesus. Acknowledge your need. Verse 4, we're going to move on to, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Jesus knew exactly how to say the one thing that was completely anti-cultural. We have difficulty accepting this verse. Blessed are those who mourn, but God, it hurts. Suffering sucks. Suffering's not good, right? Right? 
But God is saying, no, actually, I can bless you in the midst of that. God does not is not the architect of your suffering. God did not cause you to go through the experience you're going through. But God will redeem your suffering. In fact, what we learn in Scripture is that the balance of existence, all of creation, is good beyond our imagining. The suffering in the world does not outweigh God's love and redemptive power. There's a common argument that goes throughout our culture that God can't exist because there's so much pain and evil in the world. And the crazy stance that we take, the absolutely ridiculed stance that we take is actually no. God can redeem even the depth of suffering that we engage with in the world. Even those those situations where you read a story and your heart breaks. Or even those times when you feel like you're at the bottom of the pit and you're mourning over what is going on in your life. God can redeem even that. And you may not see it today or tomorrow or next month or next year. But the promise we have and the promise we hold on to is that God redeems it all. And in the end, it shall be good. If it's not good, it's not the end. God's not done yet. Don't be cynical. Don't lose focus on what God's doing. Don't get so bombarded with the difficulties and the burdens of the world that you cut off your hope at the roots and you give up on people or your culture, your society, your community. God is bigger than the boogeyman. I mean that seriously, though. God is bigger than the things that we're encountering in our daily life. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Moses was called the meekest man that ever lived. And I don't think we really understand the word meek, because we think that it means weak. Like meek, weak, you just flip the M upside down, you kind of got the same word. That's not what meekness means. Because if Moses was the meekest man on earth, and yet he stood before the most powerful man on the planet, Pharaoh in Egypt, and said, let my people go. And then Pharaoh said no, and he said, God told you to let my people go again. And he kept going back to Pharaoh and telling him over and over again, does that sound like weakness? This is the man who could have him torn limb from limb in a snap, just right there. He could kill him. And yet Moses was not afraid to go to him. Do you know what meekness is about? Meekness is about where is your confidence? Is it in yourself and your own ability, or is it in God's strength in you? That's what meekness is about. Moses knew it was God who was in control and not him. He even told God, don't send me. I can't do this. But God said, I will go with you. And then he went. Then he went. We always focus on how Moses in the burning bush, he's like arguing with God. Like, I'm not good enough. You didn't call me. And sometimes we can be like, oh, yeah, we get that. But you know what? He then took up the staff and walked out the call that God had on his life. That's meekness. Knowing your weakness and trusting in God's strength. And you know what? Over and over again, this is the truth. We have been called as the people of God to confront injustice. That's what Moses was doing. He saw injustice, and his heart broke for it, but then he did something about it. But do you know the two times that he got it wrong in his life that we know of? First, when he saw injustice, and he reacted in outrage, and he murdered a man. He saw somebody beating up on an Egyptian, and he murdered him out of rage because he was an Egyptian was beating up on a Hebrew person, a Hebrew slave. I think there's a warning in there. 
The next time is the injustice of the people of God. They weren't honoring God who was providing for them. And he struck the rock in anger. And God said, that is the reason why you're not going to go into the promised land. I don't have time to unpack these stories as fully as they need to be unpacked, but I'm just saying be careful. Your responses matter. How you respond to what's going on in the world matters. And if your response is rage and violence, that's not from God. We'll get to that more later. I don't want to keep you here all day. But meekness is not weakness. It's about knowing where your strength is. And when you trust in the Lord, then you don't feel the need to murder the guy because you know that God's got your back. You don't feel the need to strike the rock with all your strength. You trust God's strength. Rage is just saying, God isn't good enough. God's not powerful enough. I have to solve this on my own. That's what it can lead us to. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Notice it doesn't say, can you put that back up there? It doesn't say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice. Interesting. Do you know why Jesus didn't feel the need to say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice? Because we all want justice. We just want it for the other guy. If he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, we would think that meant that he's going to go out there and that guy who cut me off on the freeway, he's going to get pulled over by a cop because I hunger and thirst for justice for that guy. And then the moment you miss your exit and you fly across the freeway, you know what you're hungering and thirsting for? Mercy. We love it when we can hunger and thirst for justice for the other guy. But Jesus is not after that inclination. We know that we... As we're properly formed by the words of Jesus, our hearts that cry out for justice will be pointed in the right direction and will be driven to action. That's a given. God's placed that in the heart of all of us to long for justice. But when he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, he's putting the responsibility at your door. Because justice for you is death. Because we all fall short. We've all sinned. We've all turned away from God's grace. But he paid the price for our justice so that we could hunger and thirst for his righteousness. And they shall be satisfied. Jesus said it this way, Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when there's a log in your eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. That's like a whole sermon there. So I'm just going to leave it. You guys know what I'm saying there. And I got a couple more statements on this. First of all, there's this guy named Goat something or other. I don't know how to pronounce his name. But he said, if everyone swept in front of their own door, the whole world would be clean. Before you try and clean up the rest of the world, look at your own household. I'm not saying you don't have a responsibility to go out there and fight for justice for those who need it. Absolutely. But what's going on in your own bedroom? What's going on in your own house? What's going on in your own family? Fight for justice for them first. Get your righteousness established in your own household. Jesus did promise that you would be satisfied if you would hunger and thirst for it. So there is a possibility to grow into that. We'll move on. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I'm going to go right into the verses that he says later. 
in verse 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. There's a really tempting narrative out there, tempting philosophy that says that you, if somebody, I'm going to come back to that point, sorry. The problem here, right, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The problem here is that we're really, really, really good at arguing for why our judgment is justified. And you see it on people's social media posts all the time. I'm going to call this person out because they are the enemy. Because they did this, that, or other. They're racists, or they're classists, or they're elitists, or they're prideful, or they're insensitive, or they're... How many accusations do you see a day on social media? Is that loving mercy? Is that being merciful? Is that loving your neighbor? Is that praying for them? I just don't think so. And the next time, I'm tempted to do it myself. The next time you find yourself wanting to call somebody out, realize, what am I doing? Especially on social media. You think that's going to accomplish anything? Now, I know in some ways I'm preaching to the choir. Maybe you guys all know this, but I'm just saying there's a, there's a spirit in the world of accusation. And if you agree with the spirit of accusation in the world, do you know who you're agreeing with? Satan. You know what that means? The accuser. You know who the Holy Spirit is? He's the advocate. He fights for us. He fights for people. And when you agree with the spirit of accusation, you're just furthering Satan's work in the world. We're supposed to pray for those who are our enemies. Now, maybe you need to pray that the wicked get exposed and punished. I don't think that that's unbiblical. But I definitely don't think that that needs to be your Facebook status. It needs to be a part of your prayer life. I'm going to move through some of this, and we'll go on to, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This one's just really strikes me because it's like you don't understand how good it is to see God. None of us do. We get glimpses. But man, if there's one promise in here that resonates with me, for they shall see God, that should get you fired up. Purity is not about perfection, but about clarity. It's about getting rid of distractions. If you have a glass of water and it's pure, it should be see-through, right? It should be clear. If you put stuff in it, it gets diluted, it gets unpure. The stuff I was talking about with rage and the problem with that, or jealousy, or sin, or anger, is it clouds your vision so you can't see God. In fact, I think the chief problem with sin in our life, for us, is that it keeps us from seeing what God wants us to see. It completely distorts our vision. And you know, because you've talked to somebody. I mean, I keep referring to the toddler because it's so easy, but my son Rowan, man, when he is in a moment where he's angry at me because I took something away that he wanted, it doesn't matter what I hold in front of him, ice cream, something better than what he has. If he's angry and he's screaming and crying, he can't see it. His vision gets clouded by this anger that comes over him, this sin, this thing that comes into him, rebellion. And so when I correct that, it's not because 
I am mad at him and I want him to be better. It's because I want him to see more clearly. So what's going on in your life that's making it hard for you to see your way through the storm? Maybe it's just some some little thing that you allow, some little corner of your life that you say, well, God can't be Lord of that. That's just my little sin and it doesn't hurt anybody. Remember that thing about the log in your eye and you're trying to get the speck out of your brother's eye? Maybe you have a log you need to remove. You know who's really good at removing log? Just ask your spouse or your best friend. Ask somebody who's close to you. Other people can see it. Ask somebody, what's going on in my life that I need to remove so that I can see God? The promise is worth it. If all you read is social media, well, let me just make one statement and then I'll move on. If all you're reading and seeing is the media and the social media and you're watching your movies and you're watching your TV shows, but you're not reading your Bible, then you're never going to have a pure heart. I'm telling you right now. Boom. You're done. Because you need to have your inputs clear. If you're inputting trash, you're going to output trash. I'm tempted to do it too because, man, Netflix, HBO, those things are so entertaining. I can find shows that will just keep me occupied for hours. And, you know, when I open my Bible and I read about Leviticus and how the priests were established, I'm not entertained. It's not fun. But you know what? I'm so committed to being able to see clearly that I go back again and again because the Word of God is sharp like a two-edged sword, and it'll cut those things right out of you. It'll help you discern that log in your eye. You've got to balance your inputs. And maybe you just need to get rid of some. Okay, got to go real fast now. Uh, let's talk about blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the son of, sons of God. This one preaches itself. In verse 22, But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to health, the hell of fire. Leave that up there. Just meditate on that verse this week. We've already talked about it. But how many times have you seen people calling out other people's foolishness? And do you think they're liable to the hell of fire? That's what Jesus is saying. Watch your heart. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. That's another place it says, right? And uh, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. You know what the seat of the scornful is today? It's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. You can sit in your seat and you can scorn everyone. Get out of the seat of the scornful. Ask God what he's calling you to do. It probably doesn't look like what he's calling Bob to do down the street. He has a particular plan for you. Get out of the seat of the scornful, no matter what you believe. Get in line with what Jesus wants to say. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is really dangerous. I'll give you one little key about this. It's really dangerous because we think we're the righteous being persecuted for our righteousness. We're really convinced that that's us. When guess what? You might be the one persecuting the righteous person. Ask yourself that. Is there somebody in your life who just bugs the crap out of you because they just are doing so well and you get jealous and you just want to tell your wife, well, you know what he said the other day, you want to find that one weakness and you want to just drive it home? 
Is there jealousy in your heart that's causing you to try and tear down the righteous one? Be careful. Don't be the one persecuting the righteous. And yes, if you're willing to take a stand for what you know is right and good, don't be afraid because you will be persecuted. Don't be afraid, though, because he's overcome the world. But it's coming your way. And the next verse gets into it, too. Blessed are you when others revile you, when they persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets before you. You know what? I don't think anybody is getting persecuted for jumping on there and talking, just copy-pasting other people's statuses. I don't think that persecution is a mark of your righteousness. But I do think that if you're saying what God's leading you to say, and it doesn't have to be on Facebook. It could just be with your family. Maybe God doesn't even want you on that platform. Who knows? got to ask him. But if you're saying what God wants you to say, if you're speaking the truth, you're probably going to have people come against you, revile you, persecute you. And if you never hear somebody revile you or persecute you for your beliefs, if you never have anybody disagree with you, then you might be headed in just the same direction as all those headed on the wide way that leads to destruction. I don't know what that means in your life particularly, but I know it's way easier to just go with the flow, repost the hashtag, repost the post, tell people how you know that you know you, you failed, and I, you get on there and you self-abase and you just make everybody know, like, yeah, no, I'm with you guys. It's way easier to just do that. Where is God calling you to go against the flow of what people are saying? Because trust me when I say, Jesus knows what's going on. Jesus can see right through the mess. Where is God calling you to push through the social pressures that are telling you to think and behave and act a certain way? Don't just go with the flow. And these last two are not the Beatitudes, but I think they wrap us up here. I think what our culture needs more than anything right now is God's spirit of forgiveness. And when Jesus taught us how to pray the Lord's Prayer, and he said, forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, he followed it up and said, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's a hard word, Jesus. I don't think you meant it that way. Jesus, I think you said it wrong. Because what I've heard my whole life is that God will forgive me no matter what I do. Because what I've heard my whole life is that once I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I'm good. And I can just lay back and cruise on into the kingdom. Well, guess what? The call to believe Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior requires transformation. And it requires forgiveness. If there's anybody that you feel doesn't deserve your forgiveness, start praying for them because that's what God wants to go after in your heart. That might be the log in your eye. Forgive others so that Father God can forgive you. And if you're feeling anxious in these times and you're feeling overwhelmed, I know I've had those moments. Man, some of the stuff you see, it just burdens you. If you're feeling anxious and overwhelmed, Jesus, at the end of, right towards the end of this, in the continuing the Sermon on the Mount, he says, therefore do not be anxious, but seek first the kingdom of God. What he's saying is, everything that I said so far, therefore, because you're going to be merciful 
and you're going to hunger and thirst for righteousness because of all those things we talked about, those things will make it so that you aren't anxious. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's not you will never be anxious. It's be anxious about the right things. God doesn't want you to fear, but he does want you to care about the right things. He's like, don't be anxious for clothing and food and all that stuff. Actually, concern yourself with the Beatitudes. Concern yourself with the ways of living that I've taught you. And then you can be free from anxiety. He's shifting the paradigm. So if you're feeling anxious and you don't think this 2,000-year-old book has anything to say about what we're doing right now and what we're going through, guess what? That's where you need to go. Because he wants to change you so that no matter what happens in your life, you can stand tall with peace and joy and righteousness. doesn't mean we don't mourn. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean it's not hard. But it is worth it. He is worth it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that we get this opportunity to come before you and we get to hear your word, worship your goodness, be transformed by your presence. I just pray as we go throughout our days that we wouldn't get lost in the many pulls and concerns and difficulties and tragedies of our life, Lord, but that we would keep you at the center of our being, Lord, that we would just lift up our burdens to you and lay them on your altar and allow you to transform our hearts. You still are in the process of saving the world and you want our participation. So, Lord, I pray that you would activate us as we get transformed by your love and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Please stand. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. Grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble. Give to the departed eternal rest. We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. May we also come to share in your heavenly kingdom. O Lord our God, accept the fervent prayers of your people. In the multitude of your mercies, look with compassion upon us and all who turn to you for help. For you're gracious, a lover of souls, and to you we give glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. Don't turn and share the peace. The Lord be with you.
you weren't tired of hearing me talk yet, I'm back. We've got a few announcements uh, that we want to make. Uh, first of all, we'll talk about the rummage sale. Uh, we have the rummage sale happening uh, the last Saturday in June. That's June 27th. And if you have anything that you want to donate to the rummage sale from now till then, please go ahead and bring it on down. Uh, we want to make sure that we uh, supply there and talk to Deacon Johnson or his wife to talk about uh, volunteering because we will need some help running the rummage sale as well. We also have uh, curbside communion is still going on for any of those, especially those who are online who uh, would like to drive through and are still participating with us there. That's from uh, 1130 to 12 uh, that we're doing. We're kind of modifying the hours a little bit. Um, but from 1130 to 12, we'll be there. And if you need anything uh, along those lines, just talk to one of your home group leaders or one of us. And the last thing I was going to talk about here is, uh, or the next thing, sorry, is our graduates. I just want, I know we talked about them last week, but I just want to read the names one more time and we'll give them another round of applause here. We've got Destiny Hamadani, Madeline Harris, Charlotte Johnson, and Robert Reed graduating eighth grade. We've got Matthew House, Christina Powell, and Kyla Mercer graduating high school. And then we had Rachel Obershell graduating from Chico State and Dr. Laura Leon graduating from med school. So let's give them a round of applause. Uh, Dr. David Fell, he's my priest up in uh, Seattle, Washington area. And he just uh, graduated from medical school as well. Wow. Praise be to God. We're okay. going to talk about uh, Dr. Joyce's memorial service yes, we as are. well. So as you all know, our beloved Dr. Joyce went on to be with the Lord, and uh, they are holding a memorial service for her this coming Tuesday. I already sent an email out. If you didn't get the email, let me know because we'd love to be able to send you those information. And if you need to know where it's at and the following details, it's at 11 a.m. on Tuesday. Please see me or my dad or one of us, and we'll get you all that info, and we would love to go out there and support her. I mean, I was blessed by her so countless times throughout my life, and we we're really blessed to have her among us, and we know that she's delighting God in heaven now. Instrumental, and you know what she said on her deathbed to uh, Deacon LeClaire? Tell him what she said, Mike, what she asked for, the only thing she asked for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, Mike's taking ballet now. <laughs> no, he's not. He's no. But he's the messenger, and uh, we assure her, as we did in her life, in her uh, her passing, that we will honor that, and we'll, we love to dance here at St. Michael's. And uh, anyway, if you. Need a ride, or there's some uh, hindrance why you think you couldn't go? You let one of us know because uh, we want as many as can go to go down there and honor this uh, great woman of God. Amen. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with Him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. But do not neglect to do good 
and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Victory is yours, you're right. 
you all to be praying this week uh, for our country. I had breakfast uh, yesterday with Star Parker, a good friend of St. Michael's, Karen of mine, and uh, she was showing me pictures. She's been stuck back in her Washington, D.C. apartment for months, just as we were stuck here in our homes, and uh, Eventually, she was allowed to walk down to her office, which is about three blocks away. And so she was showing me in all the windows along her street where her apartment building is and heading down to where her office is, are, uh, they're all boarded up with plywood. And uh, can you imagine having the courage, very, very few people out on the street, She's a black woman walking alone down the streets of Washington, D.C. to to get to work. And her whole work, her whole commitment is to uh, reforming and and changing and bettering the black community and making them fully assimilated into and feeling well about themselves and assimilated into the American culture. You know, and there's there's so many people like her that we forget until something like this that we're experiencing now with the riots and uh, all that's going on in in our country, that there are people like that working every day trying to make it a better world. And uh, she run out of things to pray for. Think of people like her. There's so many of them. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death. and He called us to the glory that's made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we'll proclaim your mighty works, for you've called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory, and we join in their unending hymn of praise. Holy, 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 God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord, you're holy indeed, the fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread, he gave you thanks. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
When supper was ended, he took the cup, and again he gave thanks and praise. He gave it to him, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, let us proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love, together with our patriarch, Craig, and all of our clergy. And Lord, especially remember all those who were sick and firmed in spirit, soul, or body. We hold up this day Olivia and Connie and Susan and Carl. Serena, Naomi, Rachel, Nadia, Kyle, Sonja, Sandra, Maria and Karen, David and Darcy, Tammy, Rich family, Wayne and Spencer and our Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. And as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed, become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles, the martyrs, the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours. Almighty Father, now and forever, Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and we, Lord, we have courage to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Oh, Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb, the body and blood of Christ. The body and blood of Christ.
you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good felt the spirit of the Lord upon me as I have during the pandemic and it has been the most miraculous extraordinary experience of my life where I no longer care about the circumstances about the outwardly because I know inwardly his presence is something that is beyond anything I've ever experienced and I I think I have to say that Being anti-racist is a call to be a better person. It is all about giving voice to the unheard and unseen. And us as Christians have the privilege to be part of this incredible time that we live in right now. And I want us to be part of being a better person. And that's all I wanted to share today. It is all about being the person that Christ called us to be. And it takes a lot of courage, and that, that takes a lot of hard work, but I think it's worth it. So are you with me? Amen. Awesome. Praise be to God. Okay, come on up here. Come on up here. Family can come up. This is a, this is a big deal. It's probably the first Marine we're going to get out of this family, right? At least, where are you going? Wait, what are you what are you gonna be? A Marine. <laughs> Hold it. Get that little stool over there. <laughs> Nobody's gonna believe it unless we get her up a little bit here. No, we're not gonna we don't need a stool. You know, it's in it's inside of her, it's her heart. She's got the heart of a marine. And uh, we're so proud of you. We've always been proud of you, but now this is just a culmination of your life and going forward, you're gonna do fine. I don't suspect there's going to be many smaller than her in the Marine Corps. But but uh, she's all on board. They're all on board, so we're on board. And uh, <coughs> I guess we have Tom Forsman to blame for this, but uh, I'll tell you, you do a lot worse than being a Marine. Heavenly Father, just let her wishes come true and keep her safe. And just, uh, Lord, just let her have a wonderful, amazing experience in this that she's about to do. And give her her life desires. <coughs> give her the specialties she wants to uh, to learn. And just uh, be with her and protect her. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You're like nitroglycerin, Lord, she's showing me. You know? Dynamite's these big, long sticks. Nitroglycerin comes in a little deal like this. Just a drop. Big trouble. Amen? <clears throat> well, if you think you're having a hard time with the pandemic, you got to imagine what it's like for me. <laughs> Since I began preaching the Word, which is my 20s, I've had a cough. 
<laughs> and everywhere I go, Eddie has one too. We just have, I don't know, it's a nervous cough. I think my doctor told me it's post-nasal drip. I don't. But you know what? Whether I go into doctor's offices, grocery stores, I have to wear a mask because otherwise I, people run. Because <clears throat> I'm coughing all the time. But anyway, we'll be we'll be through this soon enough. And we'll put it behind us. But what an opportunity. What an opportunity for us to be the church. What an opportunity that God has made for the church in their finest, finest hour. So what do you do? Nothing. Just be there. The church is called to stand. Paul said, and when you stood, stand. And there's plenty to do. There's plenty of needs you can meet. There's plenty of people God will bring across your path. And you will have super, super opportunities to share the Lord, which is, you know, the answer. One word, a name, five letters, Jesus. Amen? Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you've graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Say, Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of our souls. Remember the gospel? God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. He's really looking for opportunities to meet men and women today. God loves you. He's forgiven you. He's not mad at you. And he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Be the God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our champion.